When Sam Lagana, the voice of SoFi Stadium in the Los Angeles Rams, was in eighth grade, he played basketball for the Paul Revere Patriots in Pacific Palisades, California, holding down the forward position. His backcourt teammates were Chip England, who'd go on to set Los Angeles high school scoring records, serve as a team captain for Duke, and win two NBA titles as an assistant coach, as well as Steve Kerr, a two-time All-Pac-10 player at Arizona, a five-time NBA champion as a player, and a three-time NBA champion as a coach. And their team was coached by Craig Impleman, the grandson-in-law of the greatest coach in college basketball history, John Wooden. When I was in eighth grade, I played basketball for the St. Mark Lions in Venice. My teammates included guys named Mike, Ray, Greg, Dale, and Danny. Our coach, let's just say, didn't always follow the rules. Not the rules of basketball. The rules of society, as in he might have been on parole. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan. One that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, Sports Storians. Welcome to audio, video, podcast number 57 Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. It's part three of our four-part series with the L.A. Rams, Pepperdine University, and Wooden Award man about town, Sam Lagana. Before we get to the episode, let's check in with the producer of SSDL, the 2010 Basketball All-State Selection from City College of San Francisco, the same school that sent O.J. Simpson to USC, the NFL, film work, and then on to, er, hmm. Well, anyways, here's Marley Rice. <laughs> that was a great one, Denny. Yeah. That's funny. Mm-hmm. I hope the audience liked that one. Yep. Well, uh, you know, sometimes you get upset with me, but you haven't killed me to this point. I have not killed you yet. Nope. Um, but if I did, I'd, I probably wouldn't get convicted of it, you know. Correct. So I know how to hide things, just like OJ. <laughs> um, hi, guys. Welcome to another episode. I hope you're enjoying this series of Sam Lagana, a great Ram. So I was a Ram. OJ was a Ram. You yeah. got some good Rams in this. That's in this right. Episode. Lots of Rams. Well, guys, have you subscribed to us on YouTube yet? Mm-hmm. Our YouTube has so much content on it. Um, we have all different episodes. Tuesdays, we have um, Never Seen L.A., which right. is really cool. We go see Jonas Never's murals around L.A. Wednesdays, Fridays, we just have content galore. A lot. And if you're into anything kind of sports-related, come or check sto- out our Or story-related. Or, or anything, really. We have so much stories, so many stories to tell, and they're all on our YouTube. So go check out our YouTube. Make sure you press that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Give us a review. Um, it'll really help us grow the show. Per usual, I'm pushing the Twitter at Sports Stories DL. Polls that are out now that you need to vote on. In fact, as we record right now, it's November 3rd, voting day. All right, polls out right now, and you do your duty to vote. The best tight end to play for the Los Angeles Rams. Ooh. Number 87, uh, Billy Truax. He played like 64 to 70. Then there's number 86, Damone Johnson. He played 86 to 92. Or my favorite, number 80, Bob Klein. He played from 69 to 76, and I'll be having a sit-down with him. Yeah, we will. Not too soon, not too far away. Okay, another um, poll asked, who was the greatest NBA player to wear number 44? So your choices would be uh, George Gervin, the Iceman of the San Antonio Spurs, Dan Issel of the Denver Nuggets, or Jerry West of your Los Angeles Lakers, the logo of the NBA. I don't know. Uh, Well, Point in fact, 
we're going to be sitting down with Jerry West yes, next we week, are, too. Man. Bob Klein and Jerry West, we got some key guys in the Two sports industry. Of the guys I really looked up to when I was coming up as a youngster, they were stars in Los Angeles in the 70s. Okay, so in this episode, we learn about Sam as he starred in the end of the iconic movie, Side Out. His path to serving as the chair of the Wooden Award and his position at Pepperdine University in beautiful Malibu, California. This interview was shot in a multi-camera cinematic style with Chris Allport directing and bad boy Bobby McCall as the DP. Chris and Allport to you. It is. Sienna Lennon, Cheap Old Duty with BTS Images. And now I paraphrase the man himself. It's time for every man, woman, and child to rise with Sam Lagana. From Casablanca Restaurant, with sincere thanks to Carlos Haro Sr., Carlos Haro Jr., and the staff at the second oldest restaurant in Venice, California. Here's part three of four with Sam Lagana. Please note this interview was recorded on October 1st of 2020. Um, one of the things you figured out was doing. Um, what was then the precursor to collegiate men's beach ball, I mean, men's indoor volleyball, yeah. and the regionals yeah, for that, right. which in effect would be like what we think of now as NCAA regionals. Yeah. But you did that at Cal State Northridge, and they liked the job you did there, and then they gave you a job in their athletic department. Is yeah. that kind of how that played? So again, you're asking about how do you pick up these jobs. So Brian Quinn's at Loyola Marymount, and he, he didn't want to stage the West Regionals. At that time, if you remember, it was the California Intercollegiate Volleyball Association, yeah. and it then it like, became the Western Intercollegiate Volleyball right. Association, and then the Mountain Pacific. The Mountain Pacific, yeah. So when it was SEBA, uh, and they were trying to grow volleyball, and so there was a guy from UC Irvine that was kind of in charge of the SEBA, and Brian wanted to have it at Gersten Pavilion, and so he asked me if I would coordinate it, oh, and so okay. I, I basically got an agreement with Loyola Marymount to sort of be the, the event producer. Got it. And so the Northridge was going to play, and John Price was coaching at Northridge right. at that time, and they were like, well, maybe we want to do this. And so they started talking to me, would you think about coming out to Northridge to do this at Northridge? And so I sat down with Bob Hegert and John Price and talked right. about what could we do. And then they were talking about going to Division One at that time and so Bob Hegert said well listen would you be interested in coming to work for us and I was announced I was working at the ADP full time at that time yes if you will and that was when we were up in Fox Hills and Matt Gage was sort of my my guy in crime and that's when Billy Berger that's when Billy Berger started came came in working full time and a gal uh, Janie Marks came in and she was working on marketing and then we had a former football player who was the CEO, and, right. and we had these nice offices up across from the cemetery up there where my dad's buried, and, and it, was, it was pretty cool. And so Heger asked me if I'd like to do this, and so I talked to Eileen and, and started thinking about, like, well, this might be kind of interesting as to what we could do. And we went out there, and so I'd be happy to stage this, and so we started staging, and it really went well. We wound up putting a really good audience in, and... Bob said, hey, would you be interested in joining our staff on a full-time basis? And that's, and that's how you... And that's... Wow. Moved in and then worked on that. Um, urban legend. Mm-hmm. You may know, since you're across from the cemetery there, Al Jolson buried there or not? I always heard that that big, huge structure that's right in the middle of, what is that, Holy Cross? Holy Cross Cemetery. cemetery? Yeah. Is that Al Jolson buried there? I don't know if Al Jolson is. Bing Crosby, I believe, is buried there. Oh. 
Okay. That's what I grew up with. Somebody, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if he's buried. I that's, just, that's interesting. Okay. I, I, keep in mind, like, going yeah. to that cemetery actually... <laughs> You'd look at it every day. ...was not, like, my highlight. Right? Yeah, no, like, my dad's buried there. 13 wasn't you, really a good time to, like, right? lay your dad to rest over there. <laughs> no, but, um, I, no, that wouldn't be. Um, from Cal State Northridge, you go to... Um, Cal State Dominguez Hills. Yeah, and you're in there. Are you their athletic director, or are you in their athletic department? So I was associate athletic director. K. A. Don, who had come over from Long Beach State when Dan Guerrero went down to UC Irvine, came in, and she was there for about six months, and then she retired. And so there's a hiring freeze and all this. So I handled the duties of athletic director, and uh, you know partnered up with a couple of people in the offices and, and took on those responsibilities and duties for a while. And that was the time that Eileen and I were having Cambria. And so we started to evaluate, is this what you want to do? Is this where you want to be? And that was a good time. And actually that was, uh, actually at about that time is when they had changed the law so that a man could take some time off. Oh, okay. So Eileen took off three months okay. and she took off the time to have the baby and have Cambria. And then it was kind of into the summer. And so I took some time off to stay at home um, nice. with Cambria for nice, a little bit nice. of time. I thought that would be kind of a cool thing. Heck yeah. And, and, um, and that was during the time that uh, we decided to go into a search and I decided I did not want to be a candidate for the athletic director and I could be okay. involved in the search. And so okay. we hired Ron Prettyman and I got to work with Ron who's gone on to be after two-time athletic director of the year. And he was a great guy to work with. So we got you on a couple of these different paths. You're working AVP full-time and invest. One of the things that happened still stands 30 years later as a touch point for those that don't know beach volleyball all that well, but they do know the movie Side Out. Oh, yeah, that thing. And so Side Out comes out. Now, those that are close to the sport, yeah. you take some offense to because they're like, there's no way this dude comes out from Milwaukee and is this good to make the finals right. you know, inside of three weeks, right? <laughs> and then some of the instruction that's given is, is another. But one of the through points that I find is interesting is you carry the film at the end. Like they go through this whole love affair and all kind of stuff that goes <laughs> up. But towards the end, it's all you. Like you're welcome everybody to the crowd for the big tournament and you close the film. Can you show that first clip the right first there? The, the first one. Yeah, so this first one, I was like, I remember watching this and then going, wait a second, I, you know, wait a minute, I know that dude. Oh, that's Sam. So look at this, this is great. <laughs> there, there we go, baby. Look at this. <laughs> oh, isn't that great? Now. I love that that happened. And then at the end, when you announce, and the rookie wins, they roll credits with you yeah. doing an announcement. Like, that was huge. Did you know this was going to be, because it actually got the public's attention. Did you know it was a big budget film? Or did no. you think it was just another thing? It was just sort of another thing. And, you know, we were. this was back in, I think we filmed it in 88. Yeah. And I think it broke. And, you know, for me, the great thing was we got to go to Hawaii for the premiere. Oh, wow. And the premiere was at the Kahala Theaters in Hawaii. Oh, I love and it. And so that was kind of cool. But, you know, you don't know what's, what it really it was. Uh -huh. It was kind of fun. And it was, but it was weird. Like, you know, Peter Horton was awesome. C. Thomas Howe was really nice. But it was sort of weird. You know, you, you would, Ray Dong Chan would be on site because she was going out with C. Okay. Thomas Howe. But that, you know, there, there were other people around and, 
you know, the Hollywood thing was different. Yeah, it was totally, totally different. different. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like in off season at Zuma Beach, and we were at, and they were filming as well at Hermosa, yeah. Hermosa Manor, during our yeah. U.S. Open Championships. But <laughs> it was like, it was kind of weird just going through the whole thing. Did they, with, with, with the U.S. Open Championship, did they have you like, did they come up and go, okay, we're going to do a scene, get the crowd riled up, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the funniest part, actually, I'll take you to this weird part. We know that this is this movie is going to come out because keep in mind I was working in the office, right? So yeah, this is going to be, I didn't know what it meant. And somebody says, you know, you should audition for this part, you know, this announcer part in the movie. I'm like, really? Why would they yeah, get- yeah, you should do that. And I'm like, okay. So I go, I'll do that. So I show up at some place and they hand me a script. And they said, well, what part are you here to audition for? And I said, the announcer. And they're like, the announcer. And so they're, they're figuring it out. And they hand me the script. And it says, Sam Lagana. So you in the script. <laughs> so either you were going to play you. Right. Or somebody was going to play so you. So I had a little bit more confidence at this point. Like, oh, this is kind of weird, but okay. I guess <laughs> okay. they're using my name. That's, that's kind of cool. And I remember one of the other people, you know, you're sitting in these rooms and I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not an actor, right? I don't, right? I don't go through this thing. But there are other people who are actors and they're studying and I'm just sort of sitting there. I kind of thumb through it and I'm like, what part are you trying out for? And, you know, who, who represents, who you rep- Yeah, I'm like, I'm trying out for me. that role, you know, and this and that. And, and I went in and I started to talk to these guys. There's three people at a table. It's, it's exactly what you saw in the movies, right? Like there's people on side of a table and they're like, hey, we're here to talk to you. And, you know, we want you to do this and we want you to read this. And I, and I said, well, I wouldn't say that. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I wouldn't say that. That's not what I would say. Well, what would you say? I would say this. Yeah. And they go, really? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, well, no, I wouldn't do that this way. I would do that this way. Okay, okay, do that. You know, like, so I did it. And that's... That's how that happened. Right. And it was just, that sort of became... And then we get to the the set, and it's kind of funny. So we're in Zuma Beach. We have all these extras, right? They got to pay all those people. They got to pay all the people to sit there. I don't know what they get paid, but... So all of a sudden, they're like, you got to go entertain these people. You got to go keep them active because you know there's these huge gaps oh, I'm not, again I'm not worst. a television guy I think you're Danny, a keep them in their guy. seats there's just like it takes forever oh. to do something I mean, we're there for like weeks filming this thing every and the problem was you know every day is a different day on the beach it's not like being in a studio no, so you can't make it look, overcast yeah, the right. ocean's over here that's right. that's right you know how are you gonna make it all look perfect they wanted us in these different outfits it's it was pretty <laughs> It was pretty interesting, but I had to do that. And I was like, I don't want to sit. I want to go sit in that trailer and hang out like a yeah, movie exactly. star, you know? Exactly. You know, you got to yeah. keep these people busy. And I'm like, okay. And so they taft heart lead me. And uh, oh, so okay. it was kind of cool. The whole thing was, was great. I made a bunch of money. A whole bunch of money. You're not going to argue with that. No. I, I made no <laughs> money off of calling the final beach volleyball scene for a uh, soft porn B movie. Oh. I made $100 that day. I didn't see that so one. So me and I'm you sorry. have these different paths, you see. Um, Did Sienna know about this film? She does not, and I, I don't even know that that ever exists. That was, um, yeah, there's some things that I bring up occasionally. Um, you, Sam, one of the things that's, that's brilliant, and it, it has a little bit to do with good people around you 
getting you involved. Yeah. And then you take advantage of, of that and working your way in position. Is now you're in charge of the Wooden Award. Yeah. Right? That's crazy that you're the executive director of that. But I think that started when you were younger, yes. getting some summer jobs at some of the extensions of the LA Athletic Club. Yeah. So the Wooden Award, so it goes back to, I'm a kid, my dad passes away, I'm going to Paul Revere. So I can walk from Paul Revere to the back gate of Riviera. My mom's a tennis sure. player. So after my dad passed away, she decided that playing in the park league was more complex. She wanted to have something more organized and she okay. wanted to have more of a social life. And she, I don't think she really wanted to get into dating. She just, sure. you know, she had these two young kids, you know, 13 and 10. And I think she just wanted to be able to play tennis and have it scheduled. So she joined Riviera. Well, for me, it worked out pretty well because I'm at Paul Revere and I could walk yeah, you over. Yeah, could walk right there. And they were kind enough to give me a key to the back gate. Oh, which, man. You, know, don't, you can't tell anybody you have this. Oh, that's But cold. it was way better than walking up Sunset all the way around. Absolutely. So I'd come over to Riviera and I'd be hanging out and I'd play tennis. And I'd be hanging out waiting for my mom to get there after her. she worked and play her tennis. And so I became friends with Steve Hathaway. Okay. Uh, and the Hathaway family owned and they had developed the Riviera. And it was a part, it was actually part of the LA Athletic Club. And so when you were a uh, member yeah. of Riviera, it was the LA Athletic Club, the Cal Yacht California Club. California Yacht Club. Right, and you had yeah. all that. And so I, they would give me some work. And so that was really kind of fun. And there was a man there named Dub Harris, who was a tennis player, his friends of my mom, but he was also active at the Athletic Club. And his best friend was a guy named Duke Llewellyn. And okay. Duke- Duke Llewellyn, and he's And this is like 1976, right? Yeah, and they're starting Lennon. this thing called the Wooden Award. Right. And he's it like, must look. have a component to it of citizenship and, and, and uh, academic performance. Correct. And then, and for, for the National Basketball uh, best, national best player, player in the country, of the Year and all American teams. Yep. Right. So I'm this kid who doesn't have enough to do. And so Dub says, hey, will you, I need you to come with me. And he basically told my mom I need to help. So I got dragged out to go downtown and help out, you know, and shuffle That's things great. and just be a, you know, a, 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 you know, a shuffler of of stuff and so that's how it started but I you know coach Wooden used to have his basketball camps at Palisades High yeah, he did. and we used to take the 76 bus chip all of us when we were kids Steve would take the bus from Sunset would go all the way down to UCLA and drop us off at Gailey right near Poly Pavilion yep. and so you'd go there and a lot of the guys were ball boys oh, and man. you know stuff like that so we would go into Poly Pavilion to watch basketball in the 70s and so then now you're doing this and so I'm at Dominguez Hills and Cambria was just born and some laws had changed with taxes and Steve was making some changes and when I was in college Steve hired me at California Yacht Club which is right below Loyola Marymount sure. to work at the Yacht Club and Lifeguard and he called me and he said hey might you be interested in coming up here and serving as our athletic director and executive director uh, of LA Athletic Club yeah and so I was like wow this sounds kind of interesting I talked to Eileen and we, we went over this opportunity and I, I think it was a good opportunity for us and when I went in I said can I work on the Wooden Award more and of course Duke was yeah because I had already done things yeah. and uh, so it was kind of weird having I actually Duke Look found us yeah so Michael Jordan was one of the winners huh yeah Duke loved that guy <laughs> and Duke was awesome um, wow. and so it started to do reach out. And one of the things I started to envision was how do we get this into a larger platform? And so with the Wooden Award, I, it was really parochial. And I think that we had the opportunity to sort of spread it across the country a little bit more and tell the story mm -hmm. of Coach Wooden, tell the story, the story of, Coach of Wooden, this. Right. And really the story of Coach Wooden as a player, 
because the Wooden Award was was really about his player, and he was the National Player of the Year. 1932. And he was an extraordinary guy. Right. But everybody just talked about coaches, the championship. No. Not. He was the best player player. in the country. Correct. And how do you tell that story and then start to tell it about each young person? And so we started to realize that nobody brought back former players. Well, they were staying. This was taken when the Ritz had just opened in Marina del Rey. Sure. So what we figured out was when teams came into L.A. now that they were staying at the Ritz, we could invite them over to the Yacht Club for lunch. And so because they we extended memberships to everyone who had won them. And then we put a little bit more emphasis on the All-America teams. And that way we would have a nice cadre of people. And we worked with Fox and we reached out to Roy Hamilton. Uh, former Bruin, sure. and we put together that whole partnership that then became that. And by the way, sidebar, I called Chip and I said, Chip, in the summer we need to have a summer camp uh, kind of under these oh, ideals. Then. And so we created the Chip England oh, Wooden Award Summer started. Basketball well, Camp. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> no, what you did with that is not unlike how the Heisman Award, you know, made its way yeah. forward, and it's not unlike the, the award I'm um, involved with, the Sullivan Awards, exactly. which is linked with the New York Athletic Club. I mean, all of these athletic clubs were the foundation of amateur sport right. and the Olympic movement. And so it's really cool that coaches is tied into the LA Athletic Club. I think that's, like, it's, that's, it's, that's, that's, it's amazing. And he was so gracious always, you know, you have the ball here and yeah, I mean, yeah, talking about his penmanship, right? It's, it's exquisite, right? <laughs> and you would, but, but he was the most humble, unbelievable guy, right? So to get a ball signed or something like that, people would, you, you know, we'd call him up and say, hey, we need to do this for the Wooden Award. Because we never really, they had not marketed it much. And we needed to do some marketing. We needed to do some things. We needed some balls signed. And so we'd go out there. So I'm sitting at his house one day, and he's got this condo on White Oak. In Encino. Yeah. Just very, very modest. No, just, really modest. Just who he is. Right. It, it, much of the colors of the booths in this in this uh, fabulous restaurant of Casablanca were, you know, the sofas, that orange sofa, and he's got a chair. But you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you hear this. Outside the sliding glass doors, I'm like, this is my first time in his house. Like, I'm feeling like I'm a young guy at that point, right? And I'm like, Coach, what is, what is that? He's like, oh, it's okay, it's nothing. And I'm like, Coach, what's that noise? And he's like... It's just the UPS guy. So he lived on the alley, oh. and he was on basically what would be kind of a first or second floor, but it was above okay. the alley just a little bit. So the UPS truck would come up, and he would just throw the stuff up. <laughs> and I'm like, what's in this? What are you getting? Well, people would mail him or send him. Mailman would do this, postal, uh, UPS guy, FedEx guy. They would, people would send him basketballs. They send him stuff to sign. Please sign this. And he would, he, I'm like, well, let me get these off the deck for you. And I'd bring them in. And, so? and he would sign every one of them just like this. Such great penmanship. Unbelievable. Thank you for your interest. That's the main reason I brought that was, it's like his penmanship it is so good. Everyone of me took Always time was. and detail just to sign it. And then finally I would say, like, what are you gonna do with this? He's like, well, I'm gonna take it to the post office. And I'm like, well, how are you going to send these things back? Well, i got to box them up. Oh my he God. would do all this himself. Wow. So once in a while, we He's would such a good take guy. those things and take them back and just ship them for him once in a while. But every day, can you imagine he would take them down the elevator to his car, he was, load them he, up? He, 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 was, he, was, he was that. Um, we went to go see him speak at Occidental College, and um, and I took my daughter. And at the time, she might have been, you know, Sienna, she might have only been like six or seven or something. Yeah. 
and she sat there like she was not a kid who sat still and she sat there and was mesmerized by him he's yeah. like a buddha or something when he speaks it's just like and she went up to talk to him after and showed him like a card she had made to hey coach Wood, and he sat there and talked with her for like five minutes there's this long line of people that want his autograph but he was so kind and he had asked her questions so now how do you spell your name yeah i was just like man what a nice Always gentle like, person just great one of my my favorite moments was he called me he said can you come over I'm like, okay. I, I'm like, I don't, you know, my trouble. I don't know. You're very young. I don't <laughs> know what's going on. But so I go over to the house, and he was around Easter time, and he had gotten Easter bunnies for the girls, my two daughters. Oh. And so they have on. these Easter bunnies. So like, I will tell you, we still have these Easter bunnies. What a guy. Because like, you know how your kids will collect sure. all of these stuffed animals, but like, I can't part with this. One, I'm a kind of a hoarder, by the way. At least my wife thinks I am. <laughs> but those things are like untouchable. You know, like yeah. John would be went out of his way to give us to, Easter bunnies for the girls. Yeah, like unbelievable. So that that's just, that's brilliant that you're part of that. Now, I haven't meant to skip over your position as vice chancellor uh, over at Pepperdine. But um, what came first, your position rising to that or the Rams returning and you getting in that position. So our Rams have left us. You, like I, were upset when they went to Anaheim. To me, I was like, that was just betrayal. Like, I could not understand. Anaheim would seem far to me when they did that. I was, was like, far. That takes, that takes a long time to get to. This is not right. And then they make the Super Bowl. That really, I was like, <laughs> come on. Um, so you go, you, wrote, you, you rise the ranks of Pepperdine all the way to being, you know, one of the, the most beautiful campus in the country um and how do you uh did you get immediately hired to work in fundraising and then you rose to vice chancellor how did that work so no it was it's i'm going into my 20 i'm like in my 19th year now okay and i'm going up towards my 20th years when they extended that opportunity to me but i was working at the la athletic club and, and was having a pretty good experience there and i became aware that they might be interested they reached out to me and said you might be interested in having you come to Pepperdine. And John Watson, who was the athletics director, and mm -hmm. you know, and I met, and we met at the Starbucks, which had just pretty much opened at that time, and uh, we were talking about it, and you know, we talked about external affairs, and we talked about marketing, and we talked about development, and we talked about all those different things that this could go into, and so uh, I said, yeah, I'm, I'd be interested in this. And so the next thing I know, I'm meeting with the chancellor, like in this order, the <laughs> chancellor, the president, the vice oh, president for development, the assistant vice chancellor at that time. And, and then, of course, the athletics director. And, and, Crazy. and like every one of them is like, you know, we don't have a job here. I'm like, yeah, and you asked me. You, you asked like, me to come. What, what would you do? And I'm like, well, I think we could do this and we can, I think this could work. And. You know, I had done development at Dominguez Hills, and yeah. uh, I really was on the marketing side at Northridge. But you, you, in one side, way or another, you've been doing this your whole life. Right. It's, I, mean, I always say this, Denny. I don't have a job. I have a lifestyle. <laughs> and, uh, and we just have to yeah. figure it all out um, because everything kind of blends in together. But sure. it was wonderful to be extended that opportunity to sit with Charlie Runnels, to sit with Andy Benton, to sit with Brad Cheese, to sit with Lou Drobnik, to sit with John Watson, and figure this out together. And you know, at first when I was hired, I thought you know it was I was being hired to the athletics department, 
And when I got there, so this is going to happen, and it's like, okay, well, you're going to start, you know, in a few months, and okay, but you're sort of doing the work already. You know, you're kind of like, yeah, you get you're, 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 you're you're the ground running. You're you got to get queued up, right? So you're getting queued up and everything. But when I start, I find out I'm actually not reporting to the athletic department. I am in the athletic department, but financially, the way that things worked, I am an advancement. Okay. And so I'm in, under institutional advancement assigned to this role in athletics, which was great and had all these different kinds of feet. And then we were growing at that time. So the athletic department began to grow and Mike Sapolsky was doing a great job with public relations and John Watson and you know Roxanne was there doing compliance at that time, but it was a small intimate thing. And you had Nina Matthews who you worked with sure. on the WPBA. Yep. Marv Dunphy, who I'd known through the USA Volleyball from announcing USA Volleyball Days and, and working yeah. promoting USA Volleyball events across the country. Um, and through my friend Gary Sato, sure. who had been his longtime assistant and, and basically his elf at Christmas when Marv would dress up as Santa Claus. <laughs> but um, it, those were great things. And so I got to go there. And uh, again, Eileen and I had a big discussion about, you know, might this be the right place? And we thought, this is a great place because one, our value system in terms of our Christian orientation, sure. we can we can live it out. We can have our kids and raise them in a pretty wholesome environment. Yeah. Nothing against the athletic club. I could probably stay involved with the Wooden Award, which I get to. And, which you got to. And then, so I went there and and I was just doing development and, and we started adding people to the development team and oh, you know, just kind of working the way up and you, um, you're, you're there, you get this email when the Rams are coming back, we're yeah. all fired up. You, <laughs> like me, go, yep, there's my 100 bucks. I want to I get seats at the Coliseum to watch That's them. That's right, exactly. Let's do this. And you get this email, and they're like, okay, we're looking for you know, a stadium announcer, record these series of, yeah, like six and, and then send them back in. And you immediately think, like I, I would, one of my friends is, is playing a trick on me, right? <laughs> like, like one of my friends playing a trick on me. This yeah. seems, this doesn't seem professional enough. But they're in transit. They're coming from St. Louis, so I'm sure that somebody out of somewhere has got to send this from their home. So you find the right place. What at Pepperdine, like in a corridor, to go ahead and record these. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of surreal because I got that email and it's like, hey, if you're interested in this, would you record these lines? And I immediately. You know, cranked back out. I, actually, I called Eileen. I said, "Can I get in?" My wife works in post-production film and television, and I—they have a voiceover room that you could use. And I was like, "Can I rent this room?" And she calls. She says, "It's all booked. There's, you can't get it till next week." So I wrote this guy back. I'm like, "I can't get this till next week." You know, what do you think? And I called Olivia Arns, who's our at Pepperdine. You know, is this possible? She goes, "I can't do this right now. I could do it, you know, later." I'm like, "Well, okay." So I literally just took my iPhone. And just recorded and it. Well, I tried it in my office, it didn't sound right. Okay. And so then I went into the bathroom because I remember I'm a really good singer in the bathroom at home. <laughs> of course. I am Who excellent. isn't? Who right? isn't? And everybody's good. Didn't sound right in there. But there was that corridor and it was kind of closed and it kind of felt like a sound booth. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it here. But literally on my iPhone, I recorded those lines and then I added then you mm -hmm. add one and this is probably what hooked you for the job and this is your lifetime of doing what you thought was yeah. the next best thing for the job at that point it was that kind of 
Same thing you've been doing all along, and, and your line was? Yeah, it's like, it's time for every man, woman, and child to get out of your seat, get on your feet, and rise with the Rams! It's the best! And it's funny, so, you know, in the Rams organization <laughs> yes. is Kevin Demoff, who I had worked with at the Avengers. Yeah. And at the Avengers, I had yep. Stan with the Avengers. Kid. And at okay. Northridge, I had Stan with the Matadors. Matadors. And it's like that whole yes. thought of inclusion. Let's go. Let's get everybody up. Yeah. Let's get this place rocking. It's time to shine. Man, I, I can imagine. If I'm on the other end of that, I'm listening to, ah, not bad, not bad. Oh, this dude just came up with a whole... Okay, that guy. That guy. And, and to yeah. this day, that is how I open a Los Angeles Rams game at the beginning of the game and when we come so back... So what, what do you say when you... Well, do you have to do the announcements when they first get in the stadium, like, I don't know, safety announcements, stuff like that? Or is your first thing you come out of the gate with? Here no, they come. it's... Um, so it's it's really kind of... Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a, kind of a fun thing. Um... So the safety announcements I've recorded. You've recorded it? So they in St. Louis, so keep in mind that St. Louis time, those men, uh, Chris and Corey, who were the people that sent me this email, they had come from the St. Louis side. And so in St. Louis, everything was live. And so in the Coliseum, the delay is incredible. And I've announced in there enough times that I knew this. And you don't want to sit there and try to read long copy. No, I mean, you, you know, it's a page when you're, you know, ladies and gentlemen, in the That's case of it's emergency, it's bop, 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 and you have to take that decorum of that VOG, that voice of God, and it's sort of like, you can't be the, wow, let's go, let's yeah. go. You've got to be the, because you've got to save lives, right? <laughs> yeah, you got it. That's the deal. So on that, I said, hey, can we record this stuff? And he's like, well, we've never done that. And I'm like, okay, but can we? Yeah, sure, I guess that would work. And so we actually start recording that. So that is not the first thing out of the gate because there's all that. Remember, we're going to open the doors, so that becomes this. And again, there was no, there was no book. No book. No, you're, you're, and so it's just like, here we go, and we're off and rolling. And it was cool because they gave me some latitude. And, you know, the first thing was the doors are open for Los Angeles Rams football, and... When the team came out, I don't know why I did this, but the first day, and I do it again to this day now, five years later, when the players come out, now taking the field, you know, you're linemen, now you're DBs, and everybody's, yeah. You're a long snapper. Right, because they're so, they, yeah. you know, they're clamoring yeah, for Rams football to come back. These people, That's you know, so you start good. to think about the men and the women who were, Lobbying with Stan Kroenke sure. and lobbying with Kevin Demoff and working all this, but you know, God bless Mr. Kroenke for having the vision, to, to. and then these fans to really want to do it, and they're organic, you know, these guys, and they're the really reason that you you get excited. Thanks for watching and listening. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is produced by me, Marley Rice, and Christine Jinbo. Directed by Chris M. Alport with studio support from Alpha Command Unit and shot by bad boy Bobby McCall. Original music courtesy of Lennon Music Production and original images courtesy of Sienna Lennon Photography. A big thank you to all of our contributors of the show. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever you watch and listen. Make sure you press that subscribe button, give us a review, leave a comment. It will really help us grow the show. 
And you know what else will help us grow the show? Head on over to patreon.com slash Jenny Lennon to get some never-before-seen videos, pictures, interviews, and so much more. We are all over social media and constantly sending out clips on Facebook, conducting fun polls on Twitter, going live on Instagram, and more. To find all of our social media links, hustle on over to sportsstoriesdl.com. SSDL proudly supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation and the Heroes Movement. Links to how you can support and help these foundations can be found on our website. We also want to give a big thank you to all of our partners of the show. So, as Coach Lennon would say, any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me, Marley, at info at sportsstoriespodcast.com. We want to thank all of our followers and listeners, and we will see you next time. If everybody had a notion about just what to watch, will everybody be watching sports stories a lot? You see them catch it in Del Mar, Ventura County line. Come watch it in Venice. You'll have a real good time. Kick it out, book. <laughs>